1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
0: Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to set the table for all your Sunday action, laying out all the best bets. It's the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on the BetQL Network.
2: Yeah, we're on to week 10 of the NFL season. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold. Thanks for hanging out with us here on BetQL. Grant, I don't know if we have that great team in the AFC. We've a bunch of good teams in the AFC, perhaps, as things continue to get more bunched up. Titans sitting there at, at seven wins, and then now we see what happened to Baltimore on Thursday Night Football. We're seeing even some of these elite quarterbacks, not just Patrick Mahomes. All of a sudden, it's Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen last week, get shut down and not be able to make these adjustments Is there a great team to you in the AFC right now? I don't think there's a team that
1: has separated itself, Alex, if that's what you're looking for when it comes to great. I think the Titans will continue to come back to the pack without Derrick Henry. They were able to get a win without him this past week in impressive fashion against the Rams, but it took a pick six and another Wentzian interception in the end zone that was returned to like the two yard line, basically two interceptions for touchdowns. They got 14 points off those plays to beat the Rams. That's not going to happen every single week for Tennessee. I think Baltimore's really good. Thursday night football happened. I'm able to dismiss that for the most part, but they need Lamar Jackson to put a cape on week in and week out and bring them back from sluggish starts. The bills are, are very solid. They, you know, they had a fluke weird thing happen against Jacksonville. Is there a great team? I would say no. If I'm doing a power rankings, I think the majority of my top five teams in football reside in the NFC right now.
2: No question has to be the case and you're if you're in the AFC you're a win away from suddenly being a two seed in the AFC after this week perhaps and you're also a loss away as the Bengals found out from suddenly falling to the 10 seed it was not that long ago we were talking about the Bengals being the number one seed even if none of us truly believe they ultimately would end up as the number one seed they were at the time and now they're sitting there with tiebreakers and everything with the 10th seed in the AFC. It's pretty mind-boggling, and I think the NFL, no matter where you're at on their decision to add that 18th week, that 17th game, this thing is really going to come down to the final week of the NFL season, at least in the AFC when it comes to seeding. I mean, you could honestly, the way things are trending, other than perhaps the AFC South and the AFC East division crowns, you could have everything else still up for grabs, Grant, heading into the final week of the season, the way things are starting to trend, in the second half of the season,
1: yeah, which is just how the NFL wants it. Obviously, when we talk about this being a league of parity this year, I think the discrepancy between the haves and have-nots is probably the largest we've seen it. Right? We've got more of those teams in the six-seven win mix as we get into Week Ten than we normally do. We've got more teams hanging out around zero to two wins, you know, zero and eight, two and six, one and seven in that range than is normally the case. Having said that. Particularly in the AFC, you got a bunch of teams jumbled up right around 500 fighting for that last wild card spot. In the NFC, somebody that might not deserve it that much. A sub 500 team right now, maybe it's Seattle, San Francisco, Minnesota. Obviously, Atlanta at 500 is holding that last wild card. One of those teams is going to get in. I think it's great, though. I think it engages more fan bases, it leaves more things up to be uh, filled out as we go on the bracket. So, this is good. This is healthy. And it's what we want, I think, in the National Football League.
2: Right now, in the AFC, your one seed would be the Titans at seven and two. But your six and seven seed, your wildcard teams, would be the Pittsburgh Steelers at five and three, and the New England Patriots at five and four. And if the Steelers are able to win after that that Ravens loss earlier this week, the Steelers win. Mike Tomlin, we all know, is one of the best coaches in football. He would have his Pittsburgh Steelers, despite having ninety-five-year-old Big Ben, who looks ninety-five every week. They would be atop the AFC North. It's pretty mind-boggling. And you brought up the NFC grant. The Rams, we knew they were all in. They continued to prove to us that they are all in. Odell Beckham Jr., that trade and that saga dragged out and dragged out. It seemed like maybe it was going to take us through this weekend at one point to figure out where Beckham would end up. And I'm interested to see how this works out for Beckham. Look, I I think he was sick of Cleveland, was in New York before – Wants to be big lights, big city guy. He's got some buddies out in the L.A. area. I do think L.A. fits him and his personality well. Deshaun Jackson, though, left because he wasn't getting playing time, wasn't getting targets. I know there are two different types of receivers. Deshaun Jackson's a deep threat guy. Beckham's not necessarily that. He's more of a possession receiver. But he was having issue with targets. And now Beckham's going there. So is Beckham actually willing to sit back, be that third or fourth option, which is what he would have been in a few other landing spots as well because he's in L.A. and he's going to be happy being around Hollywood and everything.
1: It's a weird choice for me, both for the player and the team, to be honest with you, this marriage in Los Angeles. I'm I'm not really sure why Odell Beckham Jr., who wants to play and wants to catch passes and wants to score touchdowns, chose the Rams. Like If you just wanted to be not that involved on a good football team, he could have stayed in Cleveland. Um, it's, a, it's a weird thing. As far as the Rams go, I, you're breaking something potentially that's working. Like, I, I don't understand why you would tinker with it. you got a really good offense, an elite passing group. Matt Stafford has a great thing going with Cooper Cup. Robert Woods, I think, is underutilized at this point. Very quietly one of the top 15 or 20 producing receivers in the league over the last couple of years, and you could get more out of him. I like the development of Van Jefferson, and they drafted in the second round that have invested time and energy and money into, but you bring in Beckham and rock the boat a little bit. And you heard all the stories as to how this happened. You know, you get one guy on a FaceTime with them saying, come here. And then the next guy jumps on the phone and says, Oh, let me go show you the receiver room. They want you. Like that's not how good business is done to me. Just players on their phones talking to this guy. They like because he's popular and he made the one handed catch the one time. I want like Wes <laughs> need and Sean McVay in a film room, studying him to see how he's a fit. So I'm very curious about this. If I was the Rams, I wouldn't have done this. At the end of the day, you added some talent. It's not the end of the world. And if he's a malcontent, like he's been in his last two stops, you just say, thanks, but no thanks. But I thought it was a strange fit. I thought there were better fits for him. But you said it. I mean, you got talent. You've been to a Pro Bowl. The Rams want you. They are pushing all the chips to the middle of the table.
2: Yeah, it seems like Beckham wanted to go back to to high school recruitment and getting recruited by LSU, and he loved the attention he was getting the last couple of days leading up to him ultimately signing with the Los Angeles Rams. And look, everybody at times maybe likes their ego stroked a little bit. That's definitely what happened here the last week for Odell Beckham Jr. Let's get into our spotlight games, though. It is the Sunday spread. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold right here on BetQL. It's a really juicy Week 10 slate in the NFL, and How about Seattle and Green Bay? The Packers, three-and-a-half-point favorites, the total at 49-and-a-half. At one point, the Packers opened as five-and-a-half-point favorites. And this week, the discussion, of course, is the return of both Aaron Rodgers and the return of Russell Wilson. The the Packers are perfect on the season against the spread. I'm curious how this game goes based off of more so Russell Wilson than Rodgers. I expect Rodgers to come right back, not miss a beat. Be ready to roll. Him and Devonte Adams. I, I think they'll be just fine. Last week against Kansas City, that defense actually played really well. It's just offensively, Jordan Love was so limited. He looked like a guy making his first start. We'll find out long term what the what the the result will be for him. But Seattle gives up yards like just about nobody else does in the NFL. As a matter of fact, 400 yards per game. That is a major problem. I think in this game for them, the yardage will come, the points will come. I, I like Green Bay in this game because i just also don't know how russell wilson's going to look because he's actually coming off of an injury
1: yeah so let's start with green bay i'm not as convinced as you alex that aaron Rodgers is just going to come back and look like aaron Rodgers. that's not to say that he's going to have some massive uphill climb or anything but we don't really know with covid like how his body's going to recover he did another interview with pat mcafee this week and he spoke about like he's just not sure it sounded like maybe there were some nerves to see i gotta see what happens when i work out how does my body feel how does it react i mean we're not really gonna know that there's not gonna be any ramping up period obviously with him just being cleared come saturday and unable to practice at all so that's a factor i also think maybe more importantly not practicing all week is going to at least early in the game show at some point like although it's kind of disrespectful to the process to assume otherwise i mean look at Dak Prescott. look at what happened with the Dallas Cowboys, with his health, coming back against Denver after missing one game, the Cowboys' offense was kind of out of sync. So I'm not telling you Green Bay is not going to be able to move the ball or score. I just don't think it's going to look quite like it did before he exited for a game right away. might take a quarter or two to get into the flow. But I'm with you. I'm more intrigued by Seattle with Wilson. What a recovery this was. He made a little documentary series film, Rocky style, where he's like, Running up hills and swinging an axe and chasing he is the He's the cheesiest
2: player in the league, man. The cheesiest yeah, I, I player. covered
1: a guy like uh, that in Robert Griffin who made a video about his return. Not that he was cheesy, but he made that video and he got crushed for it. Russell Wilson does it and it's like, oh, great production. Who'd you hire as your director?
2: He's it's Mr. Unlimited, funny. you know?
1: If, you, if you're a made man at quarterback, you can do whatever you want. If you're a young guy or you haven't played well, people will club you for anything. But you mentioned their defense in Seattle. This is a big test for them. They're the 31st-ranked defense in terms of yards, as you mentioned, 401 per game. But I find that misleading, Alex. You look at yards per play, which is a better metric, they're middle of the pack. They're 16th, about five and a half. So why do they give up so many yards? They can't get off the field and they're on the field too much. They, they face more plays than almost everybody else. They allow 24 first downs per game, 31st in the NFL. So if they're able to get a few stops on third down or somebody drops a pass on a third and sixth, the yards they allow per play is actually very different than their per-game ranking. So I'm curious to see how this defense holds up against Green Bay's offense.
2: It's not one of my pick-six plays. I'm not sure if it is one for you either, which we'll get to here in just a little bit. But based on what you're talking about with Aaron Rodgers and what we both agree, at least on the Seattle front – I mean, it sounds like we, we actually kind of maybe like the, the under in this game a, a little bit if we were to lean one way. Because based off of perhaps it is, let's say it is a slow start like you're, you're talking about for, for Aaron Rodgers in this game. The total at 49.5, that, that's actually really intriguing to, to perhaps look at the under.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think this game screams under. Now, the, the total is lower than I would have liked. It's almost like people are, are smart who are setting these numbers <laughs> and these odds. Yeah. Uh, yeah but, but, yeah, to me, this game feels – Not quite like last week when neither team could do anything with Kansas City, but I think it'll be closer to that than your shootout, like 40-37, that you might have projected for these two teams if both quarterbacks uh, were very, very healthy. I'm staying away from that total because the number's so low, but uh, it it is absolutely enticing to me, and I think it'll be right around that number.
2: You brought up Kansas City because they played Green Bay, of course, last week. It's our next spotlight game at AFC West Showdown out in Las Vegas, the Chiefs. Two and a half point favorites at Las Vegas. The total at 52. It's been well documented on this show. We've gone over it. The Chiefs simply struggled to cover. This has been going back to last season. They're two and seven this year against the spread. We know the Raiders are coming off that loss to the Giants. The Chiefs have won two straight against Daniel Jones and Jordan Love. This has major implications in the AFC West. And everybody, at least I can tell you from the Kansas City viewpoint here, Grant, is Wondering if the final drive against the Packers, there was a throw on a third down where Mahomes rolled out to the right. He found Tyreek Hill. It was vintage Patrick Mahomes. Everybody in Kansas City is wondering, is that the play? Is that the throw that gets him started? It was Aaron Rodgers a couple weeks ago with Pat McAfee that mentioned when he was asked about Patrick Mahomes. Sometimes it's one play. Sometimes it's one throw, one drive. And that's the thought here in Kansas City. Was that what gets him going? He's acknowledged that he can trust his defense a little bit more because guess what? Their defense has played better, but this is a huge test. Is this defense actually improved? We're going to find out against Derek Carr. Frank Clark has played well, but they've been going up against some some offenses with poor quarterback play. So this is a fascinating game. I do not like a side in this two and a half. It is, a to me, a pick em, truly for this one. If anything, I like the under as well in this game at 49.
1: Yeah, I think the Chiefs defense is much improved. It has figured some things out, but really, I, I don't buy this idea that part of Mahomes' issues has been the defense. I mean, you can convince me perhaps that it's always on his mind that he's got to do more because they aren't good. Exactly. That just feels like an excuse, though. Protect the football. You know, don't make egregious decisions. And and that has been the case way too often this year. There was a game against Washington where he was in the grasp, and he just, like, threw a ball up for grabs when they were trailing in a game at almost halftime. And in that game, their defense was playing great. So I, I don't believe that is the issue I, I think there is something going on where for whatever reason he was reading his press clippings or something and he's just not the same guy maybe that throw it was a great play will get him going he's made a throw like that in most games though I mean he's he, he has one of those plays every single week you I'm with you. you bring really
2: up yeah you bring up Washington strip. yeah I'm with you because that that was a discussion this week I'm with you I don't believe that one throw is actually what gets it done because out Washington you bring up that game we saw what happened in the second half at that time, it seemed like maybe that was the thing to kickstart Patrick Mahomes. And that at, since then, this offense has been pathetic. They're averaging 12 points the last three games. So it's a major problem, but a huge game with everybody locked up at five wins there in the AFC West. Our final spotlight game, Grant, Cleveland and New England. We know Nick Chubb not involved in this one. He's on the COVID list. Total at 45. The Patriots, two and a half point favorites. It's just the Ernest Johnson available who had a nice showing, as we know, in his fill-in duty a couple weeks ago. And Mac Jones, I'm I'm curious what Miles Garrett does to Mac Jones. He's made his comments this week. He said, "Is the ankle grabber Mac Jones playing in this game?" Uh, That that's something to watch defensively. How players are going to attack Mac Jones after what many view as a dirty play against uh, what was it Mac or was it Burns? I guess it would have been for Carolina last week.
1: Yeah, I don't understand why Miles Garrett would engage in that though. I mean, that's Brian Burns isn't your teammate. That was a different game. You got your own baggage when it comes to dirty moments. By the way, swinging a helmet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hit, no kidding. the guy. So I'm, a, I'm the biggest Miles Garrett fan there is. I hate that that is a memory for him that people talk about. I think he's a, a good human being and an unbelievable player. But I would just sit that, sit that out. There's no reason to engage in that. To me, this game's about finding out what both of these teams are. A little bit more so for New England, I would say, who's healthier. If they can beat the Browns playing bully ball, you know, two teams running it and playing defense, Patriots are a legit playoff contender. Right now, as you said, they'd be in
2: they'd yeah, be the seven seed, which is pretty remarkable to think about considering uh, just what everybody's perception has been about that football team. A lot of movement could happen in the AFC if everybody's so bunched up. This is the Sunday Spread on BetQL. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold. We get to our pick six next.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. Welcome back to the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on BetQL.
2: We'll get to our Sunday studs in a little bit, our favorite prop bets for the week. And, of course, we'll wrap up the show with our Hail Mary. And I believe Grant Paulson continues to make me look bad with these Hail Marys, man. You hit another one last week, right? Two Hail Marys? I I don't know. Two and
1: seven on the Hail Mary feels really good through nine games, I got to say.
2: I mean, when they're, what, plus 1,100, plus 1,500 type yeah. of Hail Marys, you can, you can handle a 2-7 and seven record. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, one of these days, I swear, one of these days we'll get it. But we're, we're both about the same when it comes to against the spread. So let's get to our, our, our favorite pillies of the week, our pick six here on the Sunday spread.
0: The pick six.
2: All right, I'll start things off. The Detroit Lions, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Lions, eight and a half point dogs. The Steelers are 0-8 against the spread for, for starters in their last eight games when they are a favorite. So they have struggled to cover as a favorite. Big Ben still playing like an old washed up quarterback, but to their credit, with a win against Detroit, they find themselves atop the AFC North. The problem with Pittsburgh here, and the reason why I like Detroit, plus eight and a half, they don't create any explosive plays. They're not capable of doing it. They're 26 in the NFL when it comes to it. They're bottom 10 of the league in yards and and points per drive. Detroit's not any good. They're winless. I don't have to tell anybody that. But the Steelers just don't blow anyone out because they're not capable of big plays. Mike Tomlin's a hell of a football coach. They're going to win this game. But I like Detroit a lot. You're giving me eight and a half points. If this thing was six and a half, I might stay away from it. But you're giving me eight and a half points. I don't see Pittsburgh blowing out the Lions because they don't blow out anybody. I really love this play here. My favorite one of the week, as a matter of fact. Detroit, plus eight and a half. You see it there if you're watching on Twitch. It's down to eight in some spot. But uh, either way, I like it.
1: Yeah, for what it's worth, I love the pick, and I'm with you. But we're going against what BetQL has as a five-star play last time I checked. Dangerous. It's dangerous. Love the Pittsburgh Steelers in this spot. And that made me stay away. I said, okay, well, they got a better track record than I do. So you're, you're going directly against a five-star play there. Uh, Let me go Bills minus 12 at the Jets. I know Buffalo's coming off of the biggest upset in terms of the odds this season. They were supposed to beat the Jags by over 15 points and ended up losing outright, which was embarrassing. But that's all the more reason to take them in this game a little bounce back effort as far as I'm concerned. They still have the number one defense in the NFL yielding 14.8 points per game, only giving up four and a half yards per play. And now you get a really bad offense, albeit one that's played better the last couple weeks, with Mike White at quarterback. And the Jets, you got to deal with. So, I think this defense dominates and suffocates them. I think Mike White crashes back to earth. And I think even after that extra rest for the Jets, the Bills expose them and win by a couple of touchdowns.
2: I usually don't like when I agree with you, uh, Grant, but but I'm 100% on board with what you're saying here, man. It does feel like a great spot for the Bills to bounce back after an embarrassing loss in which their offense what was just terrible. I just can't get over the fact last week they ran the ball 14 times to the Bills, and five of those carries were to Josh Allen. Like, in a 9-6 to six game, you ran the ball 14 times. I, I just Unreal. I, and you can I, I see didn't see it. Get it.
1: Yeah. Jacksonville's pass rush kind of didn't even care about running back. They're so like, well, they're not going to use that guy, so what do I want to I'm going to pin my ears back and go get the quarterback. And I'll say real quick, too, as far as the Jets go, everyone's talking about, oh, they look at what they did. Look, at, they scored 30 points. It was all garbage time against the Colts. They won the week before that. Cool. They gave up 54 points to the Patriots within the last handful of weeks. So it's not like this team has figured it all out.
2: I also didn't know the whole Josh Allen versus Josh Allen thing was a, was an, was a thing until it became not just the sack of Josh Allen by Josh Allen, but then... The, the fumble recovery and the interception. I I ended up loving it, but at first I was like, really, this is, this is a thing that people are all that excited about? That happened last week, of course, with the Jacks and the Bills. My next play here in our pick six, Philadelphia, plus two and a half at Denver is what I got it out. It's down to one and a half at FanDuel right now, so a lot of money coming in on the Eagles side here. I like Philadelphia to win this thing outright, so we're doing spread here against the spread, but I like the money line play here for Philadelphia. They gave the Chargers all they could handle last week, we know what Denver did. Look, Denver was was awfully impressive, to say the least, against the Cowboys. Nobody saw that coming. They they beat them up from the get-go. And thinking of garbage time points, it really was uglier than what that Denver final score was against the Cowboys. They rallied around the fact that Von Miller got traded. You got a front office basically throwing in the towel, it seemed like. And the team rallied. Give Denver a ton of credit. But this has letdowns all over it here against the Philadelphia Eagles. Broncos are back at home. They're tied with everybody there in the AFC West. The last time Denver took on a team with a similar style offense as the Eagles with a mobile quarterback like Jalen Hurts, and by no means am I saying Jalen Hurts is Lamar Jackson, but they lost 23-7 to Baltimore. I think it's a bad matchup. I love Philadelphia in this game.
1: Sometimes you fall in love with somebody and then they change, but because you originally loved them, Alex, you still continue to like them maybe more than you should. This is me with this Seattle-Green Bay game. I'm going to take the Seahawks, At plus three and a half. Now, I fell in love with them when Aaron Rodgers' status was uncertain. And I now have a pretty good beat on, like everybody else, the fact that he's going to play. But I still kind of like the Seahawks here. So, I'm going to ride with this. Could end up looking bad for me. But I think this could come down to a field goal. And if it does, I'm a big, fat winner at that point. uh, And I'll take it. So, uh, Seattle, as far as I'm concerned, getting Russell Wilson back is a very different team than we've seen over the last month. They very well could win the game outright if he goes out and just plays hero ball. He's that good. He's that caliber of quarterback. And their defense, not unlike Kansas City in the other conference, where we've talked about some strides being made. They were dead last in a lot of categories. They're not anymore. Slowly ticking up. I also, I know it was a Jordan Love start. The Packers offense was pretty gross last week. And a lot of that had to do with quarterback play. But right now, this moment with Rodgers, maybe a little less than 100% coming back from being out, not practicing all week. I could see them just being okay offensively and the game being closer than people think. So give me Seattle plus three and a half.
2: My final play, the Rams. We go to Monday Night Football. Rams minus four at San Francisco. You referenced the Titans a little bit earlier on in the show when we were were going through the AFC. The Rams are coming off that loss to the Titans and Matthew Stafford by far had his worst game as a Ram. One of the worst primetime games really of Matthew Stafford's career. It came out of nowhere and yes, it was a Carson Wentz-esque interception there in the in the end zone the 49ers though man Kyle Shanahan we've never seen anything like this from Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers they were embarrassed clearly outcoached by Cliff Kingsbury and Colt McCoy had an offensive performance that we would have expected from someone that had been starting all year it was an embarrassing loss for San Francisco maybe this is a trap spot for for the public here I'm siding with the public on, on this one I love the Rams minus four at San Francisco. I mean, the the 49ers, to me, are are done. They're getting out-coached at this point. Now, before that was their big advantage, even with all the injuries, you'd say, you know what? I know they're extremely well-coached. Right now, for whatever reason, they are not well-coached. There's been a lot of errors that have happened. Jimmy Garoppolo's even actually performing all right in terms of of the statistical element, but they're still not winning football games. They look awful right now. The Rams bounce back in a big way. They get the added boost of Beckham, who actually – John McVay has said he's not completely ruling him out that he plays on Sunday night. Not that that's swaying me on this pick, but just something to keep an eye on Monday night. One of Kyle Shanahan's former employers
1: is going to be my pick here. The Washington football team, plus nine and a half at home, almost a 10-point dog against the defending champion Tampa Bay Bucs. Now, if this sounds like a crazy pick, well, you're probably right. But Tampa Bay (laughs) is going to be missing a ton of pieces in this game we talk about firepower right I love your reasoning your logic for the Steelers prediction you made they lack the ability to make big plays to kind of pull away well look at the Bucks' offense right now no Antonio Brown they are probably going to be without Chris Godwin they don't have Rob Gronkowski this is the Mike Evans show who's a, a possession threat and a red zone threat he's not gonna rip off a 50 yard catch I don't know if Scotty Miller comes off injured reserve or not there's a chance he doesn't where are your big plays coming from? Where are your chunk yards coming from to pull away by 12, 13, 14 points in this game? So I think this could be a backdoor cover situation where Washington's down 10 or 12 or 13 or something, scores late, gets within a possession. I don't think they have a chance to win the game necessarily, but nine and a half is a lot of points against a team as injured as Tampa Bay is. And if you want to say, well, the Bucks are coming off of a bye week, so is Washington. And unlike the Bucks, they're getting a few more guys back from injury than Tampa is.
2: That's our pick six here on the Sunday Spread. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gould. How about our favorite players of the week, our Sunday Studs, right now?
0: The Sunday Spread presents the Sunday Studs.
2: Oh, those Minnesota Vikings. They seem to always hang around and give team fits. Uh, I think they'll have a chance to do that, in fact, this week against the Chargers. But I'm looking at Dalvin Cook they're running back over 90 and a half rushing yards. If you look at his first five full games, as we know, he's missed some time due to injury. Alexander Madison's gotten some playing time, but Dalvin Cook good to go in this game. It was an interesting week as we know up in Minnesota. Still don't know the full details on how everything's going to work out. There's was there there's been reports. There's also a lawsuit that's out there involving uh, perhaps uh, a female partner and it's really a he said, she said, truly at this point, I, no, nobody really knows there's been some false reporting on both ends including from Adam Schefter who got in a little bit of hot water just kind of reporting what the agent was saying but put that aside cook rushed for 520 yards in his first five full games this year that's a 4.9 yard per carry average the chargers weakness it's no secret despite having brandon staley as a defensive minded head coach that rushing defense is abysmal they're giving up nearly five yards per carry on the ground so i like dalvin cook and what should be a really competitive game the vikings might even win this game against the chargers Yeah,
1: I have a hard time trusting the Mike Zimmer operation to win a game. So I'm not going to bet on them. Having said that, uh, Dalvin Cook over in receiving yards to me is the easiest bet of the weekend. The number that I got on FanDuel for Dalvin Cook uh, as a receiver is 18 and a half yards. That could be one screen pass for 22 yards. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Very low. Uh, I think that's three catches, 35 yards, something like that. Remember, they don't have Amir Abdullah anymore, who was kind of their two-minute guy where he'd come in, catch some passes. So that's Dalvin Cook's job now as well. So if you're chasing at halftime or late in the game, he he should be able to get a few targets in that regard. I think that's a steal on FanDuel right now.
2: All right, I'll go to that Chiefs-Raiders game for my next prop bet here. McCole Hardman, the Chiefs wide receiver, under... 40 and a half receiving yards. They don't throw the ball to him beyond the line of scrimmage. They don't. He's become just a gadget player. Jet sweeps, and if they're going to throw it to him, it's going to be a little wide receiver screen. He drops balls. He fumbles balls. He's been a massive disappointment uh, throughout his early tenure in Kansas City. This year, he had nobody blocking him to emerge as the number two wide receiver, and he's been able to, to grab a hold of that job. There's a reason for that. I don't believe they trust him. I, I like the under here 40 and a half receiving yards. The only way he gets this – over is if suddenly there's one big play that he's able to get. But I think the big play potential for him is really just off a jet sweep. So I'm surprised that the, the number is as high as it is. I would think that most of his totals have been at eh, 35 yards or so. A little surprised to see it reach 40 and a half.
1: I'm going to stick with my theme of running backs out of the backfield. Uh, I could see JD McKissick doubling the total that we're getting on Fanduel for him right now at 29 and a half receiving yards. He's been... Uh, at washington's best option behind terry mclaurin in their passing game for about a month running at this point if you look at his game log it's a lot of nine target you know eight target games where he has seven or eight catches and right around 60 yards you're getting a number in the 20s from him i mean again he's not involved in the running game a whole lot but he doesn't need to be you know four or five six targets in a drive in which you're you're in two minute or four minute and taylor heineke's just checking the ball down to try to Tom Brady is way down the field for a field goal, I think uh, is a really good play, a lot of value. So McKissick, who leads all running backs and catches uh, since the start of last year. Nice bet there, I think.
2: You know Washington far better than I do, having, having been right there, and you cover them on a daily basis. And we know, generally speaking, teams will not even try to run against Tampa because of that defensive front. So I kind of like it from that angle, the idea that, yeah, if they're going to get the running backs involved – they're going to they're gonna dump it off to a J.D. McKissick, perhaps. So I like the play there. My final one on our Sunday studs here on BetQL, Matt Ryan, the Atlanta Falcons taking on the Dallas Cowboys. We know what Dallas looked like last week. I do expect Dallas to bounce back in a big way, but whether it's a blowout win for Dallas or a tightly contested game, I like Matt Ryan over one and a half passing touchdowns. There's a little bit of juice involved here. It's like minus 130, so keep that in mind here. But he's thrown for two or more touchdowns in all but two games this season he's 12th in the NFL in touchdowns among quarterbacks this year and the Cowboys defensively middle of the pack when it comes to allowing passing touchdowns like 13th or 14th depending on where you're looking Matt Ryan to me has a lot of passing attempts in this game so there's going to be an opportunity again whether it's closely contested or a blowout I like Matt Ryan to find a way to get me two touchdowns at least in this game and and cash it
1: yeah the line in that game as you said two keeps moving it's interesting I think that uh, could be a little tighter than was originally expected. You see now the line reflect that with the Falcons uh, getting about seven points. Having said that, uh, I'm going to stay in that game and go with C.D. Lamb. He's right at 60 and a half receiving yards on FanDuel is his prop. I like over 60 and a half for C.D. Lamb. Uh, they have to get him involved. Sometimes when you have a terrible game like the Cowboys did where they were down 30 to nothing, five minutes left in Denver, or against Denver, I should say, at home, you, you go back to the drawing board. You say, what do we want to be? Who are we? What Where are we at our best? And what do we need to do to feel better about ourselves? And they're going to see really quickly that after involving Ezekiel Elliott, CeeDee Lamb's their best football player. So I expect more targets. I expect a concerted effort to get him the football. And over 60 and a half feels pretty comfortable for me.
2: Right. I mean, this feels like the Cowboys offense – has to bounce back in a big way this week after what happened and they got some garbage time yardage and points late like against denver i was actually surprised they left dak prescott in as much as they did i thought that was a little risky late they still had dak prescott out there on the final drive but cd lamb other than a few drops here and there i think that you have a, a great chance of being able to cash that prop bet those are our sunday studs here on the sunday spread he's grant paulson i'm alex gold coming up next we go around the league and we'll see if grant can give us another winning hail mary
0: Welcome back to the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on BetQL.
2: We'll get to our Hail Mary plays of the week in just a little bit. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold. Thanks for hanging out with us. It's already week 10 of the NFL season. We can officially now say we're through the halfway point of the NFL season despite the 18 weeks, the 17 games, and I'm still upset, like, it throws it out where we have to do thirds now. And we talk about thirds of the season. I I liked it before quarter pole, halfway point. It's made things the NFL, Roger Goodell, made things a little more difficult for you and I.
1: Yeah. I wonder if teams, because when I covered a club, they used to reference players, coaches, you know, they would break the season down to your point into quarters. And they wanted to try to go three and one in a quarter, or, Hey, this is a really tough stretch for us. We got to go two and two in this quarter, whatever it is. Realistic, you know, in house expectations, now, I guess you just do that, but you have a bonus game at the end or something. I'm not really sure, but I hate that we're already in the double-digit weeks because it means that uh, there's there's not as much football left in this season as I would like.
2: Going to have to get used to saying 9-8 and eight teams and 10-7 and seven teams when this thing is over. That's going to be really bizarre. All right, let's go around the league in this Week 10 slate. We start with the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, an AFC South game here at Indianapolis. The Jags, 10.5-point dogs, the total at 47 and a half. We all know what Jacksonville was able to do last week. Upset of the season. And a 9-6 to win over Buffalo. And the Colts are trying to get to 500 on the season. I think wild cards their only play here with the Titans. Despite Derrick Henry being out. Having a firm grasp on the AFC South. The Colts though. 4-0 against the spread versus teams with a losing record. That comes into play here, of course, with Jacksonville. So I like Indianapolis to actually cover. Much like we said, you know, the Bills are going to bounce back after playing Jacksonville. I expect Jacksonville to go backwards the other way and realize who they actually are. I like Indianapolis.
1: Break up the Jags. Winners of two out of three now <laughs> after that defensive <laughs> gem against the Bills. Uh, the Browns are getting a point and a half in New England against the Patriots total in this game is 45. New England's defense, legit, picked off Sam Darnold three times, ran one of those interceptions back for a touchdown. As a matter of fact, the Browns also had a pick six in their game against Cincinnati. They destroyed the Bengals last week, 41-16. to uh, They averaged 7.8 yards per play in that game. It was kind of a, a run the ball down their throat and let Baker Mayfield complete the occasional pass-off play action the way they draw it up. This is going to be... I believe, the most revealing game in the NFL this weekend. And maybe the team with the most to show is New England. Season ends right now. They're in the playoffs. Them and Cleveland are even with one another. High expectations for the Browns. Who's the actual playoff team and who's going to be on the outside looking in this week could show us something about that, a potential tiebreaker for late in the year in the AFC.
2: I'll go back over to the NFC as we continue around the league. Atlanta down to seven-point dogs. As you referenced earlier, they were once nine-point underdogs, now seven-point dogs at Dallas, the total at 54-and-a-half. I was impressed with what Atlanta did last week against the Saints. I, I was wrong about that game. I thought even with Trevor Simeon that the Falcons wouldn't have enough offense to get the win, they proved me wrong there. Uh, they, they are going to make this, I think, more competitive than people realize. We've seen the line reflect that a little bit here. I, I like Atlanta in this game to, to cover against Dallas, perhaps, despite Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb. Hopefully, for your sake, when it comes to your your Sunday studs, uh, are able to bounce back. But I think Atlanta has shown that offensively, they can, they can make it work even without having Calvin Ridley. And
1: ag doesn't it seem like this game's destined for the over? I looked it up these two teams have combined to go over in 10 of 16 games remember they played a game last year that was crazy i think they're 80 plus points scored i feel like this screams over a little bit
2: i like the play i like the thought there this is this one though i think is the highest total right highest total of the week if i'm not mistaken yeah for for a reason that's the only part that scares me of the line of course are you reflecting what we both are, are, are thinking here
1: all right let's go bills jets back to the afc Minus 12 for Buffalo, total of 48. Bills got beat in an upset for the ages this past week, 9-6, and just a sloppy, ugly, gross game against the Jags. This defense is still phenomenal. I mentioned earlier they're number one in a couple categories. Most notably, they only give up 4.5 yards per play. They're only allowing 14.8 points per game. And what is Mike White? Who is Mike White? We're going to find out. I mean, He had a great game in his first start. He got off to a decent start on Thursday Night Football and then got hurt. Josh Johnson came in and was fantastic as the Jets' offense turned a corner. They're getting receivers open a little bit more. This is as stiff a test as they're going to have. I love the Bills in this spot to progress to the mean, if you will, and to get back to winning games handily. They blew a lot of teams out early. I think they cover this number with their firepower.
2: I believe it was Mike White a few days ago this week said that uh, he should have been the first overall pick if you were to be drafted again i like the confidence i like it and if you if you actually look back to 2018 look baker was the number one pick you're not going to do that but uh tell me who wouldn't take mike white over sam darnold now though right i mean come on i should have been the
1: time magazine sexiest man of the year in 2021
2: you were runner up though man good for you you runner up you know That's, you'll take you.
1: I, I like that but i should have been number one
2: <laughs> next up around the league how about the saints i referenced them they lost last week surprisingly to the atlanta falcons Two-and-a-half-point dogs on the road at Tennessee, the total at 44. This is an interesting one for me because we know there's the injury there with Kamara, but also the Titans, they said it wasn't COVID or anything, but on Friday's practice, Ryan Tannehill and a few other starters were gone uh, due to an illness. Now, it's not COVID, so they're going to play, it looks like, but just something to keep in mind here. I like Tennessee when you tell me that all of a sudden New Orleans loses their best offensive weapon, but this is one of those games where you're trying to figure out, all right, what, what does Vegas know that the public and even some of the Sharps perhaps uh, don't know here because two-and-a-half just doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you consider what we just saw the Tennessee Titans do to the L.A. Rams.
1: Yeah, Titans, one of, I think, three teams right now with seven wins against the spread this year have handled their business. All right, let's go NFC South, Tampa Bay Bucks on the road, taking on the East Washington football team. Bucks are laying nine-and-a-half points here in a total of a little over 51, 51 in a hook. Tampa Bay's covered in just three of eight games. Does not bode well for trying to cover 10 points. Washington, though, has only benefited from the line one out of eight times handling their business. Uh, Both teams come off a bye. So you got two teams that are rested. Generally means getting healthier. Not necessarily the case, though, with Tampa Bay. Last time they played, they lost to New Orleans. So they should be hungry and, and desperate to kind of get back in their winning ways. They've had to think about that for a couple weeks. But... They are not going to have Antonio Brown or Rob Gronkowski on offense. They may not have Chris Godwin either. Miller's still on injured reserve. who's down the depth chart at wide receiver. There's some chance that he could come off and help them. But I, I doubt that at this point. And then defensively, they're also missing key pieces in their secondary still. All that might add up to a closer game than people are expecting. Bucks are going to win. I'm not sure they'll cover. Maybe a backdoor situation for Washington here. A Tampa bay allows. Less than four yards per carry, so expect Washington not to even try to run the ball. They'll throw it to their backs, McKissick and Gibson, uh, to try to get them involved.
2: I gotta be careful doing this show with Grant. For those of you who don't know, we do that we do for Odyssey the this Rocket Mortgage pick 'em and everything for the company. And you know, Grant and I are neck and neck, but those are just straight up picks. So I kind of get a sense of which way Grant's leaning a little bit. I gotta pretty soon. I gotta start playing the game and, and start fading. And making sure we're not making the same plays on that for one of us to, to win out when it comes to that as well. But you like uh, at least Washington to cover the nine and a half against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, I'm going to head over to Detroit. You know my thoughts on this game. I love Detroit plus eight and a half at Pittsburgh, the total at 42 and a half. It's just simple for me with Pittsburgh the, the lack of explosive plays. Like they're well coached. Mike Tomlin's an incredible coach. They win this game, their first place in the AFC North. But Big Ben is not changed despite them winning games. They've won, what, five straight, but he hasn't been playing great during that stretch. Their defense is the key for them. If you can tell me Detroit can get me 14 to 17 points in this game, I think that gets me the cover in this one. I like Detroit because the big plays are just not there for the Pittsburgh Steelers.
1: How about these two teams this year combined 5-10-1 to the over? I know that the line is only 42 and half for the total, but – I mean, it might be an under here, 20 to 17, something like that. The Lions, despite having not won, 0-8, 4-4 and, 8, 4 and 4 against the spread, oh, by the way. So they play a lot of these games close. Makes some sense that you're going the way that you are in this game. Although I mentioned earlier, five-star bet for BetQL last time I checked for the Steelers to cover the eight and a half points. Uh, elsewhere. Dangerous. Go ahead. Yeah.
2: No, I was going to say, dangerous territory for me. I don't. Not good to go against the BetQL model. <laughs>
1: Uh, Vikings plus three Chargers host them in L.A. Total of this game is 53. I believe Mike Zimmer's key card for the moment is still working. The Vikings have had four of eight games decided by a field goal at the gun this season. They play every game really, really close. And it's just a matter of, do they lose in heartbreaking fashion or make a big play at the end? Went to overtime in a loss against Baltimore last week. Meanwhile, the Chargers similarly got a game-winning field goal in the waning seconds. From their new kicker, Dustin Hopkins, Minnesota, thirtieth uh, against the run defensively, but the Chargers are worse, thirty-second. Vikings give up a buck thirty-six on the ground. Eckler could be able to find some room, and yet the Chargers are the worst team in the league defensively at stopping the run, one sixty-one. Dalvin Cook should be licking his lips as he gets ready to prepare for this game and this matchup
2: with L.A why i love dalvin cook over 90 and a half rushing yards the vikings seem to be close in every game but this might surprise people they're still only four and four against the spread it seems like they're always close but they still are only covering half the time this year all right i'm gonna let grant handle it hail mary he's the only guy that can hit him so far on the show let's get to it
0: it's now time for the hail
2: mary this is all you. This is all you. I haven't hit one yet. You, you're you're good on the long shot, Hail Marys. I'll follow your lead. Set us right. Plus
1: 1,300. So this will be smack dab between the two Hail Marys have hit this season. We're going Chargers, highest scoring team of the week. I just mentioned Vikings, Chargers. I think both teams will be in the 30s. I'll say it's a 37-34 final. And the Chargers are the highest scoring team of the week.
2: Ooh, okay. Herbert gets back on track. I like it. I like it. It certainly seems like it could be a shootout involving those two teams. All right, I'm going to go plus 2,200. Deontay Johnson, we were just just talking about the Steelers game and how maybe it's an under, and maybe that scares people a little bit here. But Deontay Johnson, Kyle Pitts with Atlanta going up against the Cowboys, C.D. Lamb, who you really like in this Cowboys-Atlanta game, each to have 100-plus receiving yards. So three guys, 100 or more receiving yards apiece, plus 2,200. Can I get my first Hail Mary, please? I, I need. Mean, we're halfway through the season. You only have to hit two or three of these the entire year. I've hit none of them. You've hit two. It's time for me to get one, my man. <laughs> but
1: but this is the thing, Alex. You hit one, and
2: it makes up for half of
1: a year. Like you said, if you hit two, you almost are going to finish in the green no matter what over 17, 18 weeks. This value, plus 2200 you hit this, it's been a massive success
2: for you on Hail Marys. These, these always are interesting to me. I love the fact that you're just at, you know, it seems great. Three wide receivers, get me over 100. Deontay Johnson, of course, is the one that I feel like I'm going to have to sweat out there because, as I told you, Pittsburgh doesn't get big plays. We're back at it next Saturday. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold. This has been the Sunday Spread on BetQL.